Welcome. Uh, we're uh, here uh, at the AAFC headquarters in Juneau uh, with Carl Rose. I'm John Greeley and Ildi Nyland, and we're uh, uh, giving you an update on issues before the legislature. Uh, Carl, do you want to take it away? Sure. Thanks, John. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we just had. We may have people joining us as we go. What I'm going to do is, I think I have. Oh, what do we have? 14 slides, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll go through the slides, and then if you have any questions, just jot them down, and we'll talk about them when I get through. Um, some of this stuff may be familiar to you. Some of it may be uh, a little oblique, but uh, just jot your notes down, and we'll, we'll answer your questions after we're through. So I'm going to go to uh, slide number two. Uh, today's the 52nd day of the session. You know, that means that we have about 38 days left. Um, if the first 52 days are any gauge, we haven't got much done in the first 52, and so we're pretty concerned. A lot of people are saying we have a lot of time. 38 days is not a lot of time if you gauge the progress we've made to date. But I just want to share with you that we did pass the supplemental budget, HB 307. Uh, that was $72 million. Uh, the more case settlement for $18 million was in there, as well as uh, $6 million for uh, Bethel's uh, uh, school sewer and water uh, repair. It was it was in the capital budget last year. It was vetoed, and then they had some difficulty up there. It froze up this year, and so people are a little concerned about that. So it was put in a supplemental budget. Okay, thank you. It's past the house, and it goes to the Senate. Um, page number three: basic allocation. Um, Senate Bill 171 uh, that was authored by Senator Thomas uh, introduces the idea of three years of funding, uh, 125 in the first year, uh, 012, uh, 130 in the second year, 013, and 130 in 014. Um, this bill is something that uh, we would like to see happen. We are fully supportive of it, but we also recognize that, that uh, 125 in the first year does not really get it done. If you consider, Andy, since you're online, I think that uh, that $125 will deliver to you somewhere around 2.8, 2.9 million. And last I saw, you're somewhere around 5 point to possibly 6.4 in a deficit position. So you are still going to be about uh, somewhere close to three or four million dollars away from your deficit. So, and I think that goes for the top seven largest school districts in the state. So basically what happens is, though we want the, the forward funding mechanism and the increases over three years, the 125, the 130, doesn't really get us where we need to be until the third year. If, if you consider that the business managers targeted a number of $320 for us to be made whole, we won't approach that number uh, until somewhere in the, in the third year. So the basic allocation at 125 is inadequate to meet our needs. And so much of our testimony has been around some assistance, if we could get some assistance outside of base student allocation. The only bill that's there right now is 171 for 125, 130, and 135 in subsequent years. Um, there will be a new uh, shadow cast on this bill as we talk about the very next, uh, the very next slide, slide number four. Uh, 
just yesterday we found that uh, the governor has uh, introduced uh, an increase to the uh, operating budget, a uh, supplemental uh, increase to the operating budget of uh, $30.3 million to the budget, $20 million for energy costs and $10 million for transportation costs. Um, if you take a look at what the foundation formula would have delivered in 125, it is approximately 30.4. So this number is real close to what would have what we would have uh, been asking for in the base student allocation. The big difference, and I know most of you understand this, this money will come to us outside of the foundation formula. It will be one year, so we will get 30.3 million dollars. That uh, the energy portion, 20 million, will go through the foundation formula for calculation purposes. And then the energy will be a reimbursement based on actual cost and, and a, a uh, per uh, and a ratio of your actual cost based on how much money is available. In this case, $10 million, they'll look at your actual cost and prorate it back. The problem with this is for many of our smaller school districts that don't have transportation, they get no benefit from the uh, from this from this ten million dollars. On the other hand, the school districts with the largest or with the greatest road miles uh, do get benefit from this, and for many of them, they supplement transportation right now from general fund. So before I get too convoluted, the governor has moved from where he was at at no increase to the actual operating cost to thirty point three million dollars to the positive not in the base student allocation, but the money is moving. And the question has to be, what will his tolerance level be for anything more? Um, as you can see, his quote, that rather than automatically increasing budgets, Alaskans deserve a public uh, discussion about the cost increases of what their money is buying uh, on an annual basis. Uh, we've done some work with a graph that shows that the agencies are going to receive $66.8 million for salaries, salary increases. Um, so I think that the legislature has identified a need to address salary increases for the agencies. They're not doing it for the for school districts if they don't put it in the base student allocation, and I think that's one thing we can hang our hat on. If you have any questions on this, I'll answer them at the end of the at the end of the presentation. Uh, next slide five, what will the House do? Uh, Chenault on Mar March 5th uh, uh, had a, uh, uh, a press availability, and uh, he, he shared the, the, the whole specter that the base student allocation as presented now at 125 was not enough, and they'd have to do something more, than, they'd probably have to do something more than the base student allocation, and as he indicated here, he talked about energy costs, health insurance, and transportation. Well, I think the governor may have got some of this information, and I think, Andy, I think some of the testimony we gave on Tuesday may have been on the governor's radar because on Wednesday he put in this supplement. So uh, I think that was a good move. Uh, the House is concerned about results, and uh, they anticipate, at least when this was, when, when the, the, at the press availability, the speaker said that they'd probably be hearing Senate Bill 171 next week. Uh, but since then, since yesterday, there's been a supplemental uh, uh, request on the operating budget, so I don't know what that does 
to the interests of the House Finance Committee in dealing with the base student allocation, but we'll monitor that closely. Uh, next page, page six, it's the uh, vocational education. Uh, also by Senator Thomas. Thomas has really been a champion for education. He's got a number of bills out there that he is trying to respond to. Under vocational education, he feels that counseling is, uh, we should put some effort into counseling because, you know, many of our students, you know, are, uh, in the past we've been on college track uh, or a preparation for a formal college track, but very little attention has been paid to career and technical education and that some counseling would be a, a wise thing that has come to him, one, through uh, the task force last year on uh, retention and completion of secondary education, and it also came as a result of some of the conversation on the uh, task force on funding. Second one, vocational expansion. It doesn't include more money, but it does say that the money can be used for middle schools. Uh, the money that came to us last year in the block grant uh, was designated for high schools, and this allows that money to be used for middle schools. Uh, the current status of that bill is uh, it passed on uh, on the sixth. Uh, the next the next uh, slide slide number seven. Um, there's a little backstory here that I, I I'm not sure that I can um, really give you the the bottom line on. But this bill has gone through the Senate and sits in the House Finance Committee. It's just one step away from being calendared on the floor to the Rules Committee. Um, it appears that the uh, one of the co-chairs, Bill Stoltz, is concerned about this bill and would like to uh, introduce the specter of um, putting in a bill with about $3 million that would buy local or would buy within state, buy Alaska. Um, we don't know how this is going to affect. Uh, this is going to roll in some of the federal money. I mean, when I'm talking about SB3, there's some federal money involved with some matching, uh, and the bill is one uh, 2.2. Uh, Senator or Representative Stoltz would like to see it uh, Alaska uh, purchase Alaska, and he has some ideas that uh, uh, I think he'd rather put in a bill himself and send it the other way rather than to deal with this bill. I don't know all the reasons why, but I think that we support this bill because I think it's uh, it's something that we recognize as a need. It would be helpful for our, you know, if we can get meals to our kids, I think that's a great idea, rather than just on test day. If we could do this on a regular basis, that'd be nice. If it works on test day, it should work every day, shouldn't it? So I will pass uh, I will pass on this until we have a discussion at the end. Moving on to page eight, suicide prevention. It requires some in-service for school staff on the awareness and prevention of suicide. I think that we all understand, uh, and you know, we are not necessarily in favor of unfunded mandates, but I was not prepared to stand up and object to this bill, not with the, with the, uh, with the uh, prevalence of suicide amongst our population here in Alaska. I think that the idea here is that if we have, if we increase the level of awareness and prevention of suicide, I think we help identify at earlier stages who might need some assistance. Uh, the bill has passed the Senate. It's in House Education Committee, and it hasn't been heard yet. But there, oh, it's on a schedule for next week. So, 
I think there are a lot of people who are in, in favor of this. It's not a large uh, hoop to jump through, but I think it's something that is, is necessary. <coughs> and I, I think we would be favorable towards this. I'm on slide number nine. Funding for cities and schools. Senate Bill 97 was introduced last year. It has passed the Senate and it's in the House Finance Committee. Um, the way this bill was set up was that it would produce somewhere in the area of about $50 million at, I, I believe the rate at the time was $109 a barrel. Uh, what, is the, what is it today? It was 117 when we checked. 125. Okay, so at $125 a barrel, it would generate considerably more. This was to generate about $50 million. It would generate considerably more. And that money was to go to the foundation formula and to municipal assistance and revenue sharing. Uh, I believe that if this bill were to be enacted, they would rework the calculus on it to make sure that it wasn't an exorbitant amount that they were giving schools and municipalities. But I, I think that the one thing about this money would be one-time money outside the foundation formula, and we would be totally dependent on oil price to figure out what that would be. Nonetheless, it's uh, it's a priority for the Alaska Municipal League, AML, because it, it does provide them with municipal assistance. We are concerned because it doesn't go into the foundation formula, and it's a one-year and it's uh, it's a variable that we uh, that we will have to work through. The bill still sits in finance. I haven't heard a lot about it. We thought that possibly this would, might become a vehicle if there was a stalemate, but there appears to be that the ground is moving on funding for schools. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But that bill does sit in the finance committee and is available for that as a vehicle for for the house. Uh, next slide, number ten. We're looking at early childhood development. Uh, we have a pre-K, Senate Bill 6. It redefines elementary uh, education to include four-year-olds, uh, optional for districts. Uh, it's in the Senate Finance Committee. And then Teachers as Parents, Senate Bill 120, is, a, uh, is receiving a grant right now. They're under a grant from last year's uh, I believe that was in the capital budget, wasn't it? They handled the, the that additional money. I don't th I don't think it was in the operating budget. They handled money for uh, for community-based early education. That was for uh, Head Start, uh, parents as teachers, and also best begin best beginnings. Um, and because money was, they were already in a grab. Some people felt it wasn't necessary. To actually create a program by passing a piece of legislation. Also, this piece of legislation is authored by Representative Tuck and Representative Kawasaki. Uh, they are both minority members in the House, and, and I don't know if that has anything to do with the reason it's not moving, but it's the program has been funded in the past, and some people feel there's not a need to, to, to put it in the statute. So I, I think the whole idea here, uh, there is some concern over pre-K education, and that concern was raised by uh, the subcommittee, on, uh, for finance subcommittee on education. <coughs> I think that the chairman, uh, Representative Wilson, 
is supportive of community-based efforts in early childhood, but is, is somewhat leery of uh, the formal pre-K educational system dealing with uh, pre-kindergarten classes, but that, that still is something that is uh, open for discussion. Um, so I'm going to move on to page 11, pupil transportation. This effort for pupil transportation is really authored, authored by, uh, well, it's being pushed by the Matsu, and as you can understand, the Matsu has the largest road mile uh, uh, of any, any, uh, any school district in the state. Um, this is a, currently we're under a, a, a per student funding formula. It's a grant system that is given to us and we are capped by that. Any additional costs which we have absorbed in the last six or seven years for fuel, for buses, uh, for uh, salary and benefits have all been absorbed in the, by the general fund. And uh, there's some recognition that that needs to be reworked. What this will do is create a, uh, a process by which uh, we will uh, negotiate our contracts and we will give them to the legislature to, to, uh, to cover as we used to prior to the grant system. But there are some people here that are going to be concerned that uh, we negotiate, we settle on a price, and then we just pass it on to the legislature that we, we may not sharpen our pencils as much, but I think we have enough evidence to show that we do do a diligent job in terms of negotiating our contracts, and they're quite complicated in some of our larger districts. The estimated cost on this bill is $19.9 million, and, uh, and they ha actually have a breakout on this in terms of where the money would go. Once again, pupil transportation would only serve the people who, ha who offer transportation and many of our smaller districts do not. So um, I think there's evidence that they're going to do something in transportation. I don't know how much, but there is a sensitivity that they not spend $19.9 million on something that won't benefit all of the districts. So we can talk about that as well. Uh, slide 12, the funding for digital learning. Uh, we were able to get uh, Representative uh, Peggy Wilson to introduce a, a factor into the formula, which is the block grant, and that factor would be .005. It would produce about $6 million spinoff annually through the block grant. So if you remember, there's 20% of the block grant for special education, bilingual, bicultural, and vocational ed. We added another percent, 1%. For uh, CTE, career and technical education, we will add an additional 1.005 to that for digital uh, learning, and that will spin off some seed money to every school district. Uh, I think there's a recognition that if digital learning is part of our future, it should be part of the foundation formula. So that bill continues to be, uh, it needs to be heard. It is uh, uh, current stance. It's actually outside. It's out of uh, house. House education, it's in house finance. So make a note on that. This bill has passed house education, it's in house finance. Um, page 13, or slide 13, parental choice scholarships. Uh, this is an issue that, uh, that we are opposed to, and uh, we have been for some time. We're guided by our resolutions. Uh, it's a two part. House Bill 45, which creates the scholarship, choice scholarship program cannot go into effect until we amend the Constitution, which is HJR 16. So HJR 16 is a constitutional amendment. 
if it passes, they think that um, you know H Bill 140 HB 145 uh, can then go into place. Since then, we've received some information by the ACLU that talks about some of the complications that even with the current uh, constitutional amendment, it will still have constitutional problems not only with the state but also with the federal government. Um, I think that 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 memo that came to uh, the Finance Committee has caused some pause in terms of if they were going to hear this bill. I think they were prepared to hear it, but I think it's caused a little bit of pause until they can actually find out what this bill does. So once again, the Parental Choice Scholarship by uh, Wes Keller is an introduction to uh, allowing enrollment to be paid for for uh, uh, people who are attending private schools. Now, here's one of the hitches. Many of our private schools are religious or sectarian, and, and that is that is problematic in terms of public funds being used for private or sectarian schools if there's an issue of separation of church and state. So uh, we'll have to stay tuned to that one. Um, there's a possibility that if this were to go through and many of our private schools were allowed, this could introduce about somewhere in the area of nine to 10,000 uh, uh, average daily membership uh, enrollments uh, which, if they decided similar to uh, 5680, this could be a large, a very large uh, increase in the educational uh, expenditure um, that will not go towards public schools. So anyway, uh, that's the information I have for you on that, uh, and we will uh, we'll have a more of a conversation, if you wish, in just a minute or two. The last page, 14, are other educational issues. Um, Special Education Service Agency 198. Um, this agency is very necessary. It, it provides a service for many of our school districts that simply don't have the ability to provide uh, special education services out of their own general fund, so they can supplement that by contracting with uh, the special agency. Um, they had some difficulty with their finances last year. It was uh, their executive director and one of their uh, top uh, management people was uh, they were released and there, there was some question or in terms of uh, the actual uh, operations that has cast a, sh a, a negative shadow on the uh, ESEA in terms of its operation uh, I believe that the new board of directors that came on that identified uh, a problem asked the hard questions got the information they needed and acted appropriately on it to clear that up has done what they were needed, what they needed to do, and we think that ESEA should be reauthorized. Uh, House Bill 156, uh, state intervention in schools. This is offered by uh, Representative Alan Dick. Um, I think that the thrust behind this, he says, is to uh, to create more of a collaboration and cooperative relationship between. Uh, DEED, uh, Department of Education and Development. Uh, there was some concern that they, uh, the department was heavy-handed on their intervention, especially with with regard to UP uh, school district. And so this bill is coming down, and it wants to uh, uh, change some of the uh, current practices and also introduce some new uh, 
strategies, I think I call them, uh, to, to work more closely with these boards and in a non-threatening fashion. I would also share with you that uh, I think three years ago, the legislature, legislature, I believe, unanimously passed an intervention law that said if you were uh, performing uh, below or if you were in if you did not meet adequate yearly progress for five years, that uh, we would create, uh, it would constitute an intervention from the state. And I think that, uh, I think the legislature still believes that. The question has to be, what will that look like? And I think that Representative Dick is trying to modify that somewhat. Uh, next, uh, House Bill uh, 313. It's a student count estimate. This is offered by uh, Representative Eric Feige. I think he's he's meaning well. He's hoping to give us more time to plan. Uh, the difficulty with this is is that our our counts in uh, in FY12, so October uh, 2011, those numbers would be used uh, to determine our funding rates in FY14. It'd be it'd be uh, so we would be using. Uh, the numbers not from October of the current year, but from October of the previous year. The idea here is that you would know what your your rates were, and, uh, or what your employment was, and then they have some adjustments. If you lose, uh, if you lose population, you can you can get some supplemental funding. If you gain, it has to be uh, uh, at a, at a certain rate, uh, and, and and these numbers are changing. They want to make accommodations so we don't lose or gain too much. Uh, I believe that Representative Feige is trying to find a way to give us more time. The problem is, is that whether you take two years or one year, the question has to be the base student allocation. Are we going to work off the previous year base student allocation, or are we going to work towards increasing that base student allocation a year out front? So this is somewhat convoluted. I think for most of you online right now, you can see that you are planning your school year around 5680 per student based on your enrollment from last October. What this bill would do is allow you to use your numbers from October of 2010 up against 5680. And the sponsor thinks it gives you enough time to, so you don't have to lay, give up layoffs, slips, or whatever. But I'm, I try to explain to people that 5680 is problematic because we're planning with those numbers right now, and almost every school district in the state is in a deficit position. So I'll answer any questions on that in just a few minutes. Um, Senate Bill 8, student questionnaires. We have been in support of this uh, for some time. We're trying to get passive permission, and and the whole idea would be that uh, we would have people sign off that they don't want their kids to be surveyed, or we could just make uh, make the announcement and ask permission uh, early on. The problem with this thing is that we need positive permission, which means every parent needs to return uh, a signed uh, uh, release. Um, and if we don't get an appropriate number, then it kind of invalidates the the, uh, the data from the uh, YRBS, the uh, Youth Risk Behavioral Survey. 
So uh, it sits in, uh, it's a Senate bill, it sits in the House Rules Committee. I think it's gone through that. Um, uh, well, it's in the House, we know that. We'll, uh, we'll have to go and track and see where it's at. But um, this bill is going to have some problems because uh, a, a lot of the people on the House side are very concerned with the, any kind of intrusion from uh, from government or, in this case, schools into their family lives. The next issue is going to be Senate Bill 30, that's the Alaska Native Language Council. As I recall, I think that this would create a council inside of the governor's office. Uh, it's received a pretty positive go-ahead. Uh, I, I recall we testified in favor of this in Senate Finance. They held a bill, but I think they put it out since. It passed, it passed the Senate. Okay, it has passed the Senate, and so it's in the House. And I think it should receive a favorable go-ahead because it would be inside of the office of the governor, and, and I think uh, that the Native community is very, very, very supportive of this bill. Finally, Senate Bill 44 and House Bill 10. House Bill 10 by Heron, Senate Bill 44 by uh, Giesel and... Uh, Olson, uh, about funding for uh, vaccinations. I, I think that there's a lot of testimony in, uh, uh, on this bill saying that uh, this this is something that is necessary, that uh, uh, the, the issue has come up uh, regarding uh, nurses in schools, and, uh, and this is going to be purely a funding mechanism. I don't think it's going to approach uh, the actual... Uh, how would you say the, the actual process of how this would be done might might have to be done partially with uh, public health, uh, but I think that this proves that it's necessary to do so because if we ever should have any kind of pandemic, uh, uh, situation in our state, uh, we don't have a provision uh, a provision for vaccinations. So I think that completes my review. of. There are some bills that if you have questions on, we'll go ahead and take a look at them. I think that this gives us an idea of what is at play. Um, they, we have a number of bills. we got uh, we got 300-some bills in the House and a similar number in, uh, in, the, uh, in the Senate. And we've got 90 days, and there are only a handful of bills that I think are going to be able to maybe make it through the gauntlet before they, they wrap up in the next 38 days. One of the key issues I think we're looking for is the committees. We're trying to find out when the committees shut, start to shut down. When these committees start shutting down, um, normally what they do is when they start shutting committees down, it's, it's all the committees with the exception of the Finance Committee and Rules Committee. And uh, if our bills have not made it through the the other house into finance committees, uh, there's very little chance that those bills will be able to make it, and they're not going to pull bills from committee. There is a chance that they reconvene finance committees, pass bills out, get them calendared by rules late in the session, and those things happen. So I think with that, I'm going to open this up for for questions and uh, any kind of any kind of concerns that you have. So thank you for your time. The conference has been unmuted. Thanks for listening. Uh, if uh, you want to have a question to Carl on any issue, uh, please go ahead. Yes, um, this is Andy in Juneau. 
I am wondering what you think the strategy should be for getting Senate Bill 171, which I know is in House Finance. How can we get that bill to have a hearing or put the focus on it? Um, thank you, Andy. Uh, I have been talking with uh, some of the leadership in the House, and if 171 is going to move, I believe it's going to be reduced to either one or two years. It's not going to be a three-year, because I think the governor has already stated that a three-year would amount, by his math, would amount to half a, uh, half a billion dollars in 2000 and, where was it, 2015, 2018? I can't remember which. Mm -hmm. um, I think by reducing the number of years, it lets the governor off the hook in terms of his objection. One, he still objection. He, he still has an objection to the base student allocation. But I think if we were able to convince uh, the governor that we have going expenses that are not going to be covered by uh, uh, injections of money outside the foundation formula, it will become problematic. We'll share with you. We have a uh, have a request in to meet with the governor, uh, and that is going to be probably with uh, our president, Lon, one of our larger districts representatives, and one of our rural district representatives from the board of directors to go in and have what the governor has referred to as we need to have a discussion about what we're getting for our money, and I think I think that discussion should take place. So we've made that request. Uh, in answer to your question. What the strategies could be is uh, we're going to continue to ask for 171 to be heard. They will modify accordingly. I, I don't think the money is the is going to be the major issue. It's going to be how we get it. And and right now it appears to be problematic in the base student allocation one over a period of three years two. So I think if we drop the number of years, as I mentioned to you earlier, 125 doesn't cover the expenses of all our school districts currently. So we may have to, uh, I think our strategy is to push for 171 and they will make whatever changes they think to make, they need to make to get it past the governor. But I, I, I don't think we should uh, start backing off until, I mean, that's the legislature's job. We're here to advocate. They will decide what the threshold is and we'll let them make that decision. Is that okay, well, Annie? Well, I guess what I'm saying is like, um, writing letters to the chairs of House Finance asking to hear Senate Bill 171? Is that a strategy if we want to do that? Uh, yes, we, we can do that. Uh, the, as the speaker has said, uh, he anticipates hearing 171 this week, but he said that on Monday. We testified on Tuesday, and on Wednesday he put in a supplemental request of 30 point. I don't know what that means to 171, but I think we should continue on with trying to get 171 heard. Well, I think we have to because I know what that supplemental means for Juno, and it's um, $733,000, and we have a $5.8 million reduction that we're making, so we're still going to be doing the majority of our layoffs. I mean, you know, it's like... Anyway, then my one other thought to everybody there is it seems like... It would be good if 
And I know it's hard to get people to do this in your community, business people or parent advocates, but to start writing some letters to the editor in the newspapers um, about concerns of education. What do people think about that idea? I think letters to the editor is always a good idea. Um, this is uh, uh, Tom Conley from Cisco. Uh, we were going to write an op-ed uh, for the local uh, paper asking people uh, to uh, get in touch with uh, the uh, House Finance Committee to move 171. And I've held off uh, just a short while was I wanted to hear what uh, the thought was in regard to the governor's adding $30 million or, yeah, $30 million to, uh, uh, to the state operating budget and whether that had any influence on pushing for 171. And you brought that up. Um, I, I have a hand raised here for Katrina. Katrina, you have a question? Yes, I was wondering if um, what your thoughts were on House Bill 330. Which is what? House Bill 330 is um, from Representative Dick, and it deals with <clears throat> changing the oh, reach of education and putting the putting the new standards and everything into the hands of a task force created in the legislature. I'm sorry, you're kind of breaking up. Is that the one on standards and, and new standards? Is that it? It's on new standards and and creating a task force that would supersede the um, Department of Education in in approving any standards. Thank you. Uh, I, I had a private conversation with uh, the representative. He asked for my opinion, and I. I respectfully told him that he's a, he's a policymaker and an appropriator as a legislator, and that he's not the commissioner and he's not the state board and he's not responsible for regulatory issues. I mean, this this is good governance. This is good civics. Uh, he didn't necessarily agree with me, but he's concerned because he, I mean, he's he means well. He's very energetic and he means well, but I think he's exceeding his role. I, I shared that with him. He didn't agree with me. But I think many of his colleagues would be of the same opinion. That's the reason you have a department. That's the reason you have a commission and you have a state board of education to promulgate regulations. I don't think you want standards in statute. That's not a good idea. Okay. Anyone else? Well, Hi, Carl. This is Sammy in Kenai, and I just I am so frustrated <laughs> with the uh, lack of movement on uh, SB uh, 171. And I've heard a lot of suggestions, and I'm certainly going to submit an op-ed like Sitka. But is there anything else we can do? I just I just um, am sitting here, uh, gone to every LIO meeting that I possibly can. And anyway, anything else? Yeah, I think you should contact the speaker. You have a good relationship with him. Just reinforce with him that, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to a conversation on 171. Um, he recognized right off the bat that 171 doesn't get the job done at 125. But um, you should contact him to ensure that the bill, you know, maybe gets heard. And the second thing is we really got to hear from some parents. I mean, you know... Um, 
we are becoming the usual suspects. You know, when people like Bruce Johnson and myself and Andy and some of the others get up and testify, they, they've heard from us many times. And we, we've offered pretty good testimony, I think, but it's the parents who, uh, you know, we, we actually had one parent kind of break down and couldn't give her testimony, and the chairman asked Andy to read that testimony into the record. It was quite compelling. I mean, it had a chilling effect on the committee itself. You know, parents parents need to be heard. They they have a stake in this, and they need to be heard from. But Carl. Hello. This is Charlene Arneson, and I was Hi, watching that. Uh, I watched all the testimony, and Andy did a wonderful job on that. And uh, yes, it was very compelling. Uh, and if someone would send me a sample of the letter to the editor, I would definitely have someone submit it. Maybe someone other than myself would be better. Just some suggestions. What we've done in the past, Charlene, is we've, we've tried to send out some talking points. And I hesitate to craft an example because many times people sign it and send it in and it all looks the same. Uh, okay. But I think some, some talking points would be helpful. I will do that then. Thank you. Okay. And I did send um, uh, letters to all of the house finance, um, every one of them with the talking points, uh, just kind of modified a little bit. Thank you. You know, this is Andy again. At Juno, we are really trying to get the message across about how important it is in the foundation formula rather than outside. And I think part of it is, is we, it's, I mean, it's probably in your communities too, it's just been heart-wrenching to hear all this testimony and what we're having to cut. And the thought, I appreciate the governor's money outside of the formula, but the thought of having to do this again, which I've been serving, this is my ninth year, and to do this over and over again. I feel like it's a cycle of domestic violence. I mean, to feel like the victim here all the time. I mean, it's it's painful. And when we had the Joint Legislative Task Force, I mean, it still wasn't as well as we want, but it was so much better than this because already next year we got to go back, starting with our public, cutting, cutting. And it's it's so hard. So anyway, any effort you guys can do to stress inside the formula, we would really appreciate it here in Juneau. Thank you, Andy. Uh, questions? Let, let me start by, by doing this, whoever's still on the line. Um, you know, some people had their daubers down after our last fly-in because they felt that they didn't make any impact. Uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. It takes some time for some of this stuff to simmer and percolate, but you're seeing some movement now. I think Senate Bill 171 represents a huge conversation that needs to be had. Uh, adequacy is going to become an issue because it really 171 doesn't provide adequacy in the first year. Even in the second year, it gives us a number we can look at. But I think what I'm, what I'm sharing with all of you here is this process requires, I mean, representative government requires uh, our, our citizens to be involved. And so we can advocate and do a lot as an organization. 
though I don't view us as special interests because we don't get any benefit from this money. We're, we're working on behalf of kids. But I guarantee you, people on the Hill think we're special interests because we're fairly effective. So my, my suggestion to all of you is we continue to work and strategize the way we have been, and we try to bring our communities along with us. And I think Andy makes a, an excellent point. Maybe people want the BSA but don't know why. But if we can't get sustained um, assistance down through the years, we cannot meet the challenges. I mean, if, if we never negotiate another contract, the step increases alone will increase our salaries. So I, I think we, we need to understand that the base student allocation represents discretionary funding that school boards can place where their greatest need is. But if your greatest need happens to be transportation or health care or salaries or, uh, you know, in, in this case, transportation, you are, you are actually... Um, supplementing from general fund some very real issues and the monies that are left the discretionary dollars that are left are minimized I don't know how else to explain that any other way I think some people get it but the whole reason you have a foundation formula is to provide that base and if we're not going to fund it why do we have it so with that I think I'll end the conversation thank you all for listening in and if you have any comments email me or uh uh, email John, and uh, I really appreciate you folks sitting in and, and listening in. Uh, pass this information on to who you will. Letters to the editors would be great, and uh, thank you for your help. John? You know, Carl, can I thank say you. one more thing? Sure. You know, if everybody goes or tells parents to go to www.greataloscaschools.org, there is on the headers talking points, and it goes up there, and it just says how to say, tell your parent tell, you know, um, a little bit about your background, tell them how their parents are experiencing it. But anyway, it's out there. It's a resource. That website again? www.greatalaskaschools.org. Okay, what we'll do, what we'll do, Andy, is some of the information we put out, we'll, we'll so note that that address so people can use it as a resource, okay? Right, right. And Andy? Yeah. I know I put that on my Facebook. Yes, and they have a Facebook site. One of the right. moms is doing a Facebook. So look for it, Great Alaska Schools. I don't Facebook. I probably should. I'm kind of a dinosaur, but anyway. You'd be Thank an encouragement to the moms. I appreciate all the help. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you. Please stand by.